When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So I, I know you've got a lot going on. But remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. Okay, so last week when we spoke on Monday, I was in a place called Sao Tome. I'm currently in a place called Principe. So you know how like it's Trinidad and Tobago. Trinidad's the big island. Tobago is the smaller one. That's kind of what this functions as. So Sao Tome is the big one. Principe is the small one. This island has all of 10,000 people on it. It doesn't have a lot of hotels. The few that it does have, they're all former plantations. I didn't tell you this in a previous episode because I didn't know. When I recorded on Monday night, I had just arrived in Sao Tome. All I did was get to my hotel and then I went to dinner in the hotel. So I didn't get a chance to like go out and sightsee any of that when we last spoke. So I spent two and a half days sightseeing six, five and eight hours the third day. So I packed in as much as I possibly could during the short time that I had there. Sao Tome is... It's a beautiful island. It's very pretty physically to look at. It is a historian's dream. For, and I say that acknowledging that it's for all of the wrong reasons. Sao Tome was colonized until 1975. They just got their freedom 47 years ago. And I specifically say freedom because the Portuguese colonized the island. The Portuguese went to other countries that were colonized before Sao Tome, Cape Verde, Mozambique, Angola. And they went and stole Africans and brought them to Sao Tome to work. I think it was first sugarcane and then it became coffee and essentially cocoa, chocolate. Slavery was outlawed in 1875, but basically nothing changed. On the plantations, they built schools and hospitals sort of to show the world that like, oh, yeah, we're not enslaving people anymore because, see, there's schools and hospitals. See, everything's OK. But 
they still were having people work literally from sun up to sundown. On every plantation I visited, the tour guide was always really careful to point out the bell. So they ring a bell at 5 a.m. and the enslaved people come from their quarters and, and they line up in front of the big house to be accounted for. And then they're sent out into the field or whatever tasks that they have to do all, all damn day because the sun goes down here at five o'clock. So the same thing um, at home from sunup to sundown, same thing here. Also worth noting is the Portuguese system of slavery that was implemented here was the blueprint for how American slavery was instituted in, in the States in the 1600s. If you've been following me for a few years, you know that I used to go on these plantation tours, especially after Essence Music Festival, I would drive an hour away to Edgar, Louisiana, and they have somewhere between, I'd say 15 and 20 plantation houses that are still standing. There is a conservation society that made sure to keep the, the big house intact. Sometimes you'll find slave quarters intact, but rarely will you find like the kitchens or all the machinery that was used for sugarcane or the cotton gin or things like that. You usually won't find the actual machines like still on the property. You find some artifacts, but the buildings are gone. Um, the machinery is gone. Here, everything's still intact. So that's why I say like coming here is kind of like a historian's dream because you can literally see the history. It hasn't been cleaned up and sanitized and probably won't be because it's the black run nation. So I went to a ton of, of plantations when I was in Sao Tome. Rosas is, is what they're called here. Most of the big houses, the structures were made well. So they're still standing. A lot of them have become government buildings. They're a little run down on the outside, but the inside has been renovated. The other structures, like I just mentioned, like they, they built hospitals on the Rosas. Most of those hospitals were built somewhere around like 1920. I went to one plantation. We went to see the hospital. The bones of the structure were still there. The buildings are made out of cement. The roof might cave in, but the actual bones of the building, the walls and such are usually in pretty good shape. They are buildings that in America, we would see them and call them abandoned buildings. Here, people live in them. One of them that I went to didn't have electricity or water. Oh, and the other thing, too, is like none of these are official tourist attractions, per se. So there's no regulation around them. So I was with my guide and like we walked up to the building and I was taking pictures of it. And he was like, oh, do you want to go inside? And I was like, I'm sorry, excuse me. What, like, I, can we go in here? Like, is it safe? And he was like, who's stopping us? So we went in, in the building. But there are people living in, in abandoned buildings. I want to be very mindful about how I speak about this. Because as a general rule, and I've written about this before, I was like, I don't do poverty porn. I don't go places looking for poverty. And I've said this before, too. I lived in downtown L.A. for three years before I moved to Ghana. There are open tent cities in Beverly Hills. I lived at 11th and South Flower downtown. That's walking distance to Skid Row. I lived in a fancy luxury apartment building. But there were plenty of times that I came out of my luxury high rise building and there was someone just sleeping on the ground outside my building. Someone taking a shit and leaving human feces on, on the sidewalk outside of my building. You could not walk outside in downtown LA for more than a city block and not see someone who didn't have a home or someone who was sleeping in a car. 
So I want to put what I'm saying in perspective. It's not that I've come here and I've never seen poverty before because I come from a privileged place where poverty doesn't exist. It's important for me to say that. So I'm not, again, pretending that I've never seen poverty until I came to Africa. Poverty is poverty. I want to say that. But I also need to say this. Slavery ended here. There's de jure and de facto. Legally, it ended in 1875. It was practiced until 1975 when Sao Tome and Principe, same thing, two islands, same government, when they become independent from Portugal. Up until that time, the Portuguese government had been running all these plantations. The country gets independence from Portugal. Most of the Portuguese pack up their shit and go. A new government with local leaders takes over and they don't know how to maintain the coffee production or the cocoa production. All of these plantations that people were working on fall into ruin. This is 47 years ago. So fast forward to now, people are still trying to figure out what to do essentially post-slavery. Think of where black folks were in America in say, I don't know, 1900, especially in the South. You're still in sharecropping, essentially. So where technically you're not enslaved, but you're doing all the same things that you did as an enslaved person and accumulating debt on top of that. Because if the crops don't come in right, you don't get paid and you owe money. That's not the part that fucked me up, though. Because slavery just ended, 47 years ago, it's just ended. You get free from slavery. There's not a lot of jobs on the island. They haven't figured out, like, what is their big export thing? They're trying to figure it out for tourism. There are some former cocoa plantations that are now farms that are actually employing people. I don't know if they're being paid a decent wage, but there are people employed. There are some coffee farms that are working, but for... A lot of the population, people are still living on the land in which their family was enslaved on for generations. And they're living literally in the former slave quarters or the former hospital that is like abandoned and broken down. It's a beautiful culture. The people are are physically gorgeous. I went on this three-hour walk one morning. I walked like eight miles around the city. I like the architecture. I like the colors of the buildings. Much like a Caribbean island, they have um, like pink and yellow and orange and, and blue buildings. They're very physically pretty to look at. But even walking by and getting a glimpse inside of them, they're not very well maintained. And it's really just a functioning economics. The other reason I was saying that, you know, calling it a historian's dream is I'm walking around and I'm taking pictures because I like the beauty of ruins. I also appreciate that something was built in, I don't know, the early 1900s or even the 1700s in some cases, and the buildings still stand. They were built right. They were built for endurance. I appreciate that they don't knock their buildings down the same way that we do in America. Like we'll raise something in a minute and build something new to replace it. They keep their buildings. They they utilize the structure. Some of that is out of necessity because of economics. Some of it is it just makes sense of respect for what was and for history. As I walk around and I'm marveling at ruins, it's not lost on me that each of these buildings I don't mean like the plantation stuff. I mean, like in the city, right? That each of these buildings was either somebody's home or somebody's storefront or somebody's restaurant 
or somebody something that was built for a either economics or good shelter. You don't just build something shabby off top. It becomes shabby over time. But now they are. So it's like all this stuff was once great and I can still see the beauty in it. But like I want it to be great again currently for the people who have it now. Does that make sense? Also, in Principe, because it's a very small island and its primary function was plantations and and slavery only ended in actuality 47 years ago. All of the hotels on this island are former plantations, which means me staying here currently as I'm recording this, I'm staying in the big house. They checked me in main building and they were like, oh, your room is going to be upstairs. And I was like, oh, okay. I took myself on a tour of the property because again, it's a large like plantation farm. Now I caught up with another official tour and the woman was pointing out like the different buildings that operate as hotel rooms. So one of them was a former manager's house, i.e. overseer. So that would have been an option to stay in. Another one is the former slave quarters. They've also been refurbished. And those, that was also an option to stay in. Whoever made the call to put the black girl in the big house as opposed to the former slave quarters, thank you kindly. I do appreciate it. But last night, trying to go to sleep, I had to pray first. I poured out some tequila when I was getting my sundowner. I had an amazing margarita. And then I, I had a whole like a goal moment. Like I got on my balcony and, and you know, I didn't yell it because I was trying to be, you know, decent and considerate of other guests in the hotel. But I had to, I was, it was a loud echo, like calling out to the spirits. I'm like, y'all may not be Gunyan, but whoever you are, know that I come in peace and I'm not here to disrupt anything. And I'm acknowledging that you were here. I could barely sleep last night. I think I slept for three hours. I had to wait till the sun to come up before I could go to sleep. I really wanted to come visit this island and I'm glad that I did. Staying at a plantation. It's the, only, it's the only place to stay, but I don't really think that was the best idea in retrospect. Also, I'm staying at this very fancy hotel. It's quite expensive. Very fancy meals. Everything's organic and, you know, an amazing chef and great service. It's like staying at like the Ritz or the Waldorf or something, right? I walk three minutes down, still on the property. And it's, it's completely like just full abandoned plantation. The, the other slave quarters that have not been renovated, there are people living in them. A three-minute walk from the big house. I walked three minutes in another direction. The abandoned factories, I didn't go inside. When this was a working plantation, everything that, that they used, they, when the Portuguese left, they didn't take the, the tools of the trade. They just they left all that shit there, and it's still sitting there. I've never seen anything like it. Like It's, it's like... It's like slavery just ended because it did. I think this is one of those places that everybody needs to come and see for themselves. Sao Tome is a lot. It's very beautiful. The people are gorgeous. The food is amazing. I told you on Monday, I'm the only black person at that hotel. I'm the only black person at this hotel, too. Um, when I was walking around the neighborhood, people were just staring at me. I mean, like turn their heads all the way around. And I was like, yo, they looking at me the way I used to look at white folks. 
When I used to do plantation tours, because I was trying to learn like the history of it all. And I would see people sitting outside, like eating and drinking weddings. And I would have such disgust for them. And I was like, how could you be at a plantation just eating and drinking it? Basically the site of massacres. And here my black ass is staying in a plantation. Like I just, whoo, it's a lot. And I can't even be mad because I did it to myself. This is a willful, intentional, purposeful decision like I knew what I was doing when I booked it and then somewhere on the plane on the way over here I was like what were you thinking I'm glad I'm here also I'm gonna get a good night's sleep till I get back to Accra it just is what it is <sighs> today's episode is brought to you by Angie Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well let me tell you there's the version of it where you try to do something at home and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you you watch them do it the right way and you go thank god i didn't try to do that myself i have fully done things around the home that i think look good and then a bang in the night and i wake up to a shelf collapsing a painting falling off the wall like it i've i've seen it all go south i own a home and i can tell you I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. In other news, America, are y'all all right? I don't think y'all are okay. I'm worried. The Americans that are over here, the expats, we are deeply concerned about home. Home, via the news trickling out, I'm genuinely worried. We haven't been keeping format for the last couple episodes. Why start now? No, let's actually do some good black news. We just talked about a bunch of depressing things with Sal Tomei. Let's talk about some actually good black news. Can we talk about Stacey Abrams? She has the digital cover of Essence this month. I haven't had a chance to read the article yet, but congratulations to her. I think she's long overdue for her magazine covers. Essence is not her first. I've seen her on other covers, but this is her first Essence cover. I intentionally say her first because I hope it's the first of many. I hope that she also gets a, um, a print edition cover when she wins her next run for, is she running for governor again? I want her to get the official printed cover of Essence because I want to put it on my coffee table. Thanks in advance. Also, congratulations to Michaela Cole. She's on the cover of Vogue, American Vogue, no less. I read the article last night. Somebody sent it to me and they were like, I know how obsessed you are with Michaela Cole. Yes, yes, I am. Remember I told y'all there was an Usher brunch after Global Citizen and I went to it and I told you like Usher was there. Michaela Cole was also there. Usher, I was fine going up to speaking to him. Michaela Cole, I couldn't. It's a writer thing. I can walk up to any musician. I can walk up to any actors unless I grew up watching them on TV. I don't feel any kind of way about it. Like I walked up to, what's her name? Denai. Denai. What's Denai's last name? She's a sweetheart too. I feel so bad. Denai. For Black Panther denied. She was dis- she was Michonne on um, The Walking Dead. I love that chick. 
I cannot remember her last name for anything in the world. It starts with a G. We, I walked up to her. We had a lovely conversation. The woman has done like a billion dollar blockbusting film. Didn't think no ways about it. Walked up to her, said her name, asked if I was pronouncing it correctly. She said I was. And then we struck up a conversation. It was lovely. Michaela Cole, I think I May Destroy You is one of the best scripted series I've ever watched. She wrote it, directed it, starred in it, and may or may not have produced it too. It won a bunch of awards, but just to take a personal trauma and turn it into something so beautifully written, wonderfully made, poignant, purposeful, necessary. This blows my mind. It's what I aspire to be as a writer, as a creator, as a storyteller, especially for TV. Couldn't speak to her, saw her, and just I just I couldn't get the words out. She was just sitting right there. Usher was standing on one side and she was sitting at a table on another, and I just I couldn't. I couldn't. But she is currently on the cover of Vogue. They did the article on her while she was in Ghana. I don't know how I missed that she's Ghanaian. I knew she was British and I knew she was African by way of UK. But I don't know why I just never connected her to Ghana for some reason. I don't know where I thought she was from, but I didn't think Ghana. But lo and behold, both her parents are from Ghana. I think her mother still lives in the UK. Her dad and her grandmother live in Ghana. And she'd been here not this trip, but previously, she'd been here for a six-month stint getting to know the city. But a really great article, and I thought a really good presentation of, of Ghana. I'll tell you this, GMA is not the first TV show to reach out to me about talking about my life and experience in Ghana. I've turned down a couple other networks or productions, shows, because I didn't like the way they wanted to present Ghana. Even in the year of our Lord for 2002, people have a very narrow view. I think of Africa in general, but in the case for me, they're specifically approaching me about Ghana, but they want to tell like this very, what's the word? Unoriginal narrative about what Ghana is. It's all slave castles and shopping at the market in the art center. Which, yes, like when people come here who have never been to Ghana before, especially American tourists, they want to see all of those things. It's like going to D.C. for the first time and you go and see the White House, you go and see the Washington Monument, you go to the Blacksonian or, or you go to New York, you go to Times Square, you, you go see the Statue of Liberty. Like these are like these are very big tourist things. However, no one who lives in New York, like we avoid Times Square as much as humanly possible possible. And quite honestly, unless you live in Manhattan, you try to avoid Manhattan when you don't have to go to work. If you lived in Brooklyn asking somebody to go to Manhattan or God forbid Harlem on the weekend, are you kidding me? I'm not crossing the bridge. But that's like the version of Ghana that everyone wants to tell. It's like they want to tell like the tourist attraction. And it's like, yeah, like if you're a tourist, sure, that makes sense. But then to live there and then be like, oh, yeah, like I go to McCola Market and this is where I get my groceries. No, I go to the grocery store and that's where I get my groceries. The same way in America or, or in Europe, because Europe also has a bunch of grocery stores that are very small. Um, but it's like they have like this weird narrative. So I, I turned down like some other opportunities because I was like, I'm not I'm not going to the art center. Like I when I want to buy decor for my home, I go to Orca, which is a more upscale version of Ikea. Like, would you like to go to Orca with me? Because there's also like some vases and things that I need to get from my home. I'm not just buying, I don't know, African masks, which there's nothing wrong with. Like, it's, but it's like, you know, I don't need a, a house full of masks. Like, I, I have one. There's other ways to decorate your home, even in Africa. 
But Michaela had really interesting Ghana stories. She and the writer went rollerblading around Ghana, which I thought was amazing. And then she and the writer drove like an hour outside the city and went to a beach bar called Wakanda, which I still haven't been to yet. It's on my list of places to go. There was something else she did. They went to a club. I think it was, they didn't name it, but I think it was front back. It's kind of like a cross version of Soho House. Again, they didn't give the name of the place, but the place they described, that sounded like where she went. But it was a really good story. The timing of her cover is based around her role in Black Panther playing, I want to say it's a lesbian warrior. It's definitely a same sex love thing. I can't remember if she's a warrior or not, which I thought that was an interesting tidbit. And I'll tell you why. One of my friends has this theory that Michaela Cole is the next Black Panther, as in Wakanda Forever that comes out next month. And here's what it's based on. He was like, you don't go hire a major A-list talent like Michaela Cole and just give her two seconds of screen time or a B-C-list storyline. And he was like, Shuri is the Black Panther. Okay, sure. According to the comic books, if you remember Wakanda Forever, part of the holdup was COVID. The other part of the holdup was also Letitia Wright got injured on set. But the other issue is that she didn't want to get vaccinated. And they were like, hey, in order to shoot this film and protect the safety of everyone else, you can't be unvaccinated on set. And she was like, yeah, no, you can't force me to get vaccinated. Also, I think they were shooting in the States and you had to be vaccinated to get in. And she's from the UK. And she was like, nope, not doing it. Not loading my body up with unknown drugs just to shoot a movie. Y'all need to figure it out. I think she eventually did get vaccinated. But my friend pointed out, he was like, studio-wise, given the difficulty of the actress making her the next Black Panther, because there is definitely one. Like, Chadwick wasn't replaced, per se, but there's definitely somebody as Black Panther in the trailer, and it looks like a woman. His theory is... The studio wouldn't bank on the actress, given how many problems she was causing for the production. He is like 90% sure that Michaela Cole is the next Black Panther. It's an interesting theory, especially that they're giving a whole Vogue cover cover for a storyline that from the trailer looks like it's just B-list. That doesn't make sense. It's like, let me find out there's something to his crazy conspiracy theory. I thought he was crazy when he first said it. And then after I saw the Vogue cover, I was like, huh? Because that's literally the only entertainment anchor for the whole thing. Like it talks about other projects that Michaela's worked on. But in terms of like next project, she's like, yeah, I got something in the works. But, you know, nothing that's, that's like rock solid with a production in production, like good and ready to go. The anchor is just Wakanda forever. And I was like, all this for a split second role in a commercial? What does Vogue know that we don't know yet? The movie comes out, I think, like a month from now. I don't remember the exact date. I was like, my friend might be on to something. But congratulations to Michaela Cole on the cover of Vogue. She looks freaking amazing. I think she's like one of the most beautiful women in the world. That might be it for good black news. Yeah, that's it. We got to talk about... <laughs> you know what we got to talk about. Before we get to Kanye and Herschel Walker, we'll talk about Nia Long. I saw a TMZ caught up with her in a parking lot. She was coming from the store with her son. I'm not sure how old the boy is. He's somewhere between, I'd say, like 11 and 13. Old enough to understand 
the crazy questions that the reporter was asking Nia Long. So she's coming out the store with her son in tow. The reporter is asking her, they were like, Nia, like, sorry to hear about, you know, what happened with um your, your child's father, with your fiance. Are you going to stay with him? I, I know y'all see that big boy right there. I know y'all see that child right there. I know y'all see that child of an age that is old enough to comprehend that you sitting in front of his face asking his mother if he's going to leave his father. It's one thing to get on social media and Instagram and have your hypotheses and, and, you know, question, should she, shouldn't she? I mean, I hope Nia Long does whatever is best for Nia Long, whether she stays or where she goes. There are no easy answers for a woman when her man start acting like a nigga. It's just nothing but hard choices, whether you stick it out with them or whether you pack your shit and go somewhere. It's just hard either way. I hope whatever hard that she chooses is what's best for her. And as she pointed out in her statement, she was like, I'm a mother first and foremost. So she does need to consider her children. But I also hope she considers herself. Whatever whatever situation is best for her, that's what I hope she does. That said, TMZ has lost their goddamn mind. This is not the first time they've run up on celebrity and, and said crazy shit to them. And I'm sure it's not the first time they've done it to somebody in front of their kid. But I was appalled watching that. I know she's a celebrity. I know her fiance is, you know, is, was, the head coach of the Celtics is a former NBA player. Like they're, you know, name brand people. I get it. I get it that they're public figures, but they're also parents running up on Nia Long. I don't like it, but it's fair game. But running up on her with her kid there, asking if she going to leave the kid's daddy with the kid right there. It's too much, too much. The kid is not a public figure. The kid is just the kid. He's not an actor. He's not on TV. Even if he was, he's still a kid. I just, ah, I thought that was so disgusting. I was so upset with TMZ about that shit. I'm like, y'all have no boundaries and you need some. Now they're going to get in the car. He's going to be asking his mama, like, are you leaving daddy? That shit just happened. She don't know what she's doing yet. It's going to take a minute to figure out. It's very easy to say like, oh, I would just pack my shit and go. Some people might. Some people might. Most people need a chance to just, you know, roll the shit around. On Tuesday, I thought everything was fine. On Wednesday, the bottom just dropped out of my life. It takes most people a while to like, you know, to wrap their head around what's next. I wish her and her baby, both of her babies, the older kids, somebody else is his dad. But that kid is, is he 19, 20, 21? He's still really young. He's an adult, but he's really young. He's, he's sitting up in the middle of the shit storm too, because it's happening to his mama. I wish that whole family the best. I was reading something earlier today about the, uh, the woman that he cheated with. Because remember at first they thought it was the black girl. Celtics had to come out and be like, no, it's not her because people were going at her so hard. And so allegedly, I think we talked about this before. It was a white lady who did travel. She's married. I was reading earlier today that she has three kids. Allegedly, I need to say that. Allegedly, I'm not trying to get sued in case it's not this woman. But her picture has been circulating for a while now. And she's the one that disabled all her social media. So that's part of the reason people strongly suspected it was her. Yeah. Oh, there was something else I was going to talk about. Trevor Noah. I think I mentioned it on a previous episode that we would talk about Trevor Noah quitting his job. I, I was sad to hear it. I, I made the assumption that, you know, Trevor Noah's contract with Comedy Central, he's been there for seven years. I was like, oh, his contract must have been up and he decided not to renew because, you know, he's a creative and, and creatives need to stay doing new things to, you know, keep their edge and, and all of that. Turns out, turns out the good folks over at the Hollywood Reporter, my good friend, Nikessa, and her amazing team over there, full disclosure, I write for them. They went and got the backstory 
to what happened with Trevor Noah. It turns out that, in fact, his contract was not up. He had two more years on the contract. It also turns out, in fact, nobody knew, at least in management, that Trevor Noah was going to quit on air. Another fun fact, Trevor Noah had lunch with the head of Comedy Central the day before he quit. I'm pulling up the story right now. Hold on. I want to make sure I get these details right because I read this shit and I was like, he did what now? (laughs) Yeah, I'm reading this story. It came out on October 5th. What's today? The 7th? (laughs) This is how the story begins. It says, quote, Finding a new host for The Daily Show wasn't on anyone's to-do list at Comedy Central. That changed September 29th as the face of the network's late-night franchise, Trevor Noah, revealed on air that he'd be stepping down after seven years in the role. Until then, executives, including Noah's boss, MTV Entertainment Group CEO Chris McCarthy, who'd had lunch with Noah the previous day, believed he would be staying put at least through the 2023 to 24 season. After all, Noah had re-upped his eight-figure deal for two more years at parent company Paramount Global in June. It's only October. In June, the Hollywood Reporter reports, quote, in a stunning twist, Noah announced that he was done. Quote, we were completely shocked, says one high-ranking insider. He says with others there on set, they'd watch Noah sign off with mouth agape. Look, 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 what they do to that man? What they do to that man? Remember when John Boyega, you know how I feel about John Boyega. I love him. Remember, I want to say it was in the Hollywood Reporter too. There was this story about John Boyega was shooting a show for Netflix. Something happened on set. That story never came out. They said it was time for John to be on set. He didn't show up. They went to John's hotel room, knocked on the door. Nobody answered. They went to the front desk. They said, have you seen John Boyega? They said, oh, he left last night. He checked out. He got on the plane. He went home. What? What? They were trying to figure out what happened. They said, oh, Netflix has got to be pissed. You can't do that as the lead actor on a film that's in the middle of production. All, all this money has been spent. You just walked off set. John Boyega will never work again. Who does that? They went and talked to Netflix. They, Netflix said it wasn't a problem. It, they said, in fact, yes, you know, that did happen. That, that John Boyega is no longer a part of the movie and production is done. And, and we look forward to working with Mr. Boyega again in the future. Not just what did y'all do to that man? What did y'all do to that man that he has proof of? And if he starts talking, y'all look crazy. Because black folk getting a check, a good check, we put over a whole lot of shit before we just walk off set. Something crazy happened to that man. And Netflix knows exactly what it is, knows he has proof. And they are like, you know what? We just going to toe the line. We look forward to working with him again. Yeah, the production's done. Yeah, we spent a lot of money. It's cool. What what happened to John Boyega? We still don't have that story. I was waiting for him to go live one day and tell the story. We might have to wait till he writes a book. We'll find out then. But I know it's some juicy shit. He just went back to his room, packed up his shit, didn't tell nobody, and left. He didn't say a word to nobody. Something happened. You know, you know who else this happened to? Shonda Rhimes. Remember the story about the Disney passes? I want to say Shonda's sister was in town, and the sister wanted to take the kids and the nanny. 
to Disneyland. Shauna gets a certain number of VIP passes with her Disney contract or when she was with ABC. So they didn't have enough passes for the sister, the kids, and the nanny. So Shonda, ABC's billion-dollar baby, three hit shows on one night, Thursday. They were all top ranking. Shonda called over at ABC. She said, hey, I need some extra tickets. I need some extra, I need some VIP tickets, some fast passes. I just, I need some extra tickets. Now, Shonda obviously has the money to buy the tickets. It's the GP of it all. I'm your billion dollar baby. I'm your special fish. Treat me like I'm special. Treat me like I pay the bills in this bitch. Shonda said, hey, I need some extra tickets. Remember the guy told Shonda, he was like, don't you have enough? Shonda said she hung up the phone. She called her, she called her agent and she said, get me a deal with somebody else. If you can't get me somewhere else, then you're fired too. It was reported that she was getting paid $300 million over at Netflix. And I remember there was an interview Shonda did and they were like, Shonda, are you really getting paid 300 million American USD dollars in dineros? And Shonda was like, no, I'm getting paid more than that. Oh, 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 oh. Talk your shit, Ms. Rhymes. Talk your shit. I say all that to say, what did this head of, of MTV Entertainment Group, this Chris McCarthy, what did he say to Trevor Noah at lunch? They had a lunch. Chris's version of events, he said, Trevor told me he wanted to do other stuff. He said, sure, we can make room for you to do that. We can have the correspondents host the show. Like, you're good. His version of events. Something else happened. You don't just have lunch with your big boss. And then the next day you quit. Chris McCarthy said something to that man at that lunch. It'll come out eventually. Trevor will write another book and tell us about it. He apparently just taped the stand-up show. As soon as he's out of Comedy Central, I'm sure he'll incorporate what happened into his stand-up. I'm sure he will. Comedians love to tell their business. I'm just trying to figure out, like, what happened? Something happened. I'm going to bet you. I'm going to bet you. It was something about, don't we, don't we do enough for you? Because that shit, that'll make you quit the next day. Trevor Noah will be absolutely fine. I will follow him wherever he goes. The man could just make lives on YouTube. I'll tune in. Now, can we talk about some true insanity? I said last episode, I think it was last episode. I wasn't going to discuss Kanye West and I'm still not going to because my reason for not doing so still stands. But your boy is testing me. The White Lives Matter shirts for his latest fashion show were bad enough. At the time that we spoke last week, that's all I'd seen. I didn't see at the time that he had posted on Instagram. I want to make sure I quote this correctly. He posted this in his stories. He said, quote, everyone knows that Black Lives Matter was a scam. Now it's over. You're welcome. Him making these White Lives Matter shirts was a deliberate, purposeful, intentional, willful effort to end the Black Lives Matter movement. Again, I think he's in the middle of one of his worst episodes and everything that I will have to say about him is just straight dragging him. And I don't feel right doing that when I feel that he's genuinely unwell. I do want to acknowledge that even though he is unwell, he is still responsible for the crazy shit that he says and does. I'm just not going to drag him for it. But this is a new level of awful. He's been going in this direction for years with the, the, um, with the Trump hats, make America great again, wearing the Confederate flag, 
since the White Lives Matter t-shirt came out and his pictures with Candace Owens. And oddly enough, I guess Selah Marley, is that her last name? It's Lauren Hill's daughter. I've watched this kid grow up. I was singing along to the joy of my world is in Zion. That's the oldest baby when I was still in college. Selah is younger than him. She's a child, so I'm not going in on her, but she was walking around with the White Lives Matter shirt too and has doubled down on it after she got dragged about it. And I'm just like, she just, she young and dumb. I hope she gets some sense and and the presence of mind to apologize for this dumb shit um, after her mama get done with her. Like you're Bob Marley's grandchild saying this dumb shit. Lauren, get your child. I'm out of respect for her mother. Lauren, just gather your child, please. Uh, what, uh, what I was saying is that ever since the pictures from the show came out, people have been recirculating the clip where Van Lathan went off on Kanye for saying slavery is a choice. This is when Van was still at TMZ and Kanye got on there talking his, his Kanye, his new Kanye. And Van had to check him and he was like, you want to get publicity for your new album or your new products or or whatever. But you can't be out here this level, this irresponsible with black people's history. If you've never seen Van go off on Kanye West, it's, it's a very worthy moment. I didn't know who Van Lathan was until that moment. And I was like, who the fuck is this? Let me go follow him. Um, I'm glad that he still has a platform even after his exit for, from TMZ. He's a very necessary voice. I really, really like that guy. Kanye, I still think is, is a new low, even for him. I think it's worse than slavery is a choice. I think it's worse than the Confederate flag. I think it's worse than, than make America great again. Like this, intentionally trying to discredit the Black Lives Matter movement. To my knowledge, there have not been the same number of videos of Black people being abused, murdered by the police that we were seeing at one point in time. I'm very mindful to say that we're not seeing the videos. I'm not seeing the videos. I'm intentionally not saying that it's not happening because we don't have video evidence doesn't mean it it didn't exist. America didn't change. Black folks are still being killed by police left and right, whether it's being videotaped or not. It's just not the most prominent topic of discussion right now in the way that it was, say, in 2020. But Black Lives Matter, even if the organization turned out not to be what it was supposed to be, there was obviously some mismanagement of funds. I think that's the the classiest. I think that's the the most goodwill way to say it. The organization Black Lives Matter is not all encompassing of the movement of Black Lives Matter. There's an organization with the name. There's also a whole movement that became a global movement. I've I've walked around remote parts of Ghana and seen Black Lives Matter plastered places. To try to discredit that movement, to try to discredit the core meaning, not just the organization, but the core meaning of Black Lives Matter Most of my audience is black. I don't feel like I need to explain this in depth, but I know as I've been traveling around the world, I'm picking up new audiences from new backgrounds. So I just want to just give it just a brief overview. But saying black lives matter never meant only black lives matter. It's just like saying like fuck cancer. It doesn't mean no one cares about HIV or no one cares about, I don't know, diabetes or 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 heart disease or high blood pressure. It just means that right now we're talking about cancer because cancer is killing all these people. 
saying black lives matter never meant like Asian lives don't matter or white lives don't matter or Latinos don't matter. It's saying, hey, folks is out here slaughtering black folks and and leaving their bodies in the street. Literally, Michael Brown, black lives actually matter. Stop fucking killing us. Treat us like we matter. That's all it ever meant. Kanye trying to discredit that, trying to create a white lives matter movement or at least a slogan or just trying to sell more shirts just as, 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 a, as a capitalism, commerce, commercial, financial come up. It's just, I can't believe he did that shit. Like, do you know who your mother was? Do you know who you were? Like, I don't understand how we got, I mean, I do because I believe this is mental illness, but my God. If this man don't take his goddamn meds, I, I just uh, the, the way that we've gone from from George Bush doesn't care about black people to white lives matter. Just bruh, you got to take your fucking meds. Also, I think it's worth mentioning Kanye, one of the first critics of Kanye's white lives matter was a woman who works for Vogue. I'm trying to pull up her name. I wasn't familiar with her. She's the editor at large for Vogue. She's one of the highest ranking black women in fashion. Gabriella Karifa Johnson is her name. Um, she was invited to Kanye's fashion show where he debuted his White Lives Matter shirts. And she saw it. She was pissed about it. She said as much in her stories. She called the shirts, quote, incredibly irresponsible and a dangerous act. She said the T-shirts this man conceived, produced and shared with the world are pure violence. There is no excuse. There is no art here. She says, I do think if you ask Kanye, she posted this in her stories, if I didn't say that already. She said, I do think if you asked Kanye, he'd say there was art and revolution and all of the things in that T-shirt. There isn't. She says, as we all work through the trauma of this moment, especially of those who suffered in that room, let's have some grace for one another. Kanye got wind of her comments. He didn't like them. How many followers does Kanye have on Instagram right now? I think I blocked him. He has 17.9 million followers right now. He posted a picture of Gabriella in an outfit that he didn't like on his Instagram page, basically encouraging all of his followers because they're like, they're nutso, like the beehive. What are Nicki Minaj's people called? I don't, I don't even remember their name. The Barbs, is that what they are? Kanye's followers are, are rabid in the same way. So he posted a picture of this woman in an outfit that, that he doesn't care for. He titled it. He says, this is not a fashion person. You speak on yay. I'm going to speak on you. Ask Trevor Noah. And then he posted a close up of her boots. She has um, the Timberland boots. They're probably Manolo Blahniks now that I think about it. But the ones like the back in the day joints Jennifer Lopez used to wear all the time, like the high heel Manolos that look like Timberlands those and he says i know anna hates these boots it was completely unnecessary to personally attack this woman like you invited her to the show as a critic she didn't like your shit that's fair game especially as a working journalist for you to personally attack her appearance you didn't like what she said you want to critique her critique okay to personally attack her appearance i don't think that he was expecting for vogue to come out and defend her 
which they did. And as they should have, because that's one of their editors. I read that she and Kanye had a sit down of some sort. But I'm also reading this on page six style. It says Gabriella is breaking her silence after being attacked. I appreciate the word attacked by Kanye West. She says, quote, your girl has been through it. I'm exhausted, but I'm also so moved and grateful by the outpouring of love I received here and elsewhere over the last 24 hours. I feel so blessed to belong to a community that would show up for me like this. Gabriella, she's 30. She says, quote, one thing about me, I will always speak my mind and always try to honor my truth. My thoughts are my own. I stand by them. Thank you all for supporting me in that. She goes on to talk about the uh, response to Kanye posting her. She says, quote, I fielded some serious volatility over the last couple days, but nothing has been quite as bad as what people have said about my body and the way that I look. The fat phobia jumped out. Yes, I am fat. No, I am not humiliated to show up as my authentic self in the world. She added that she has worked hard to feel confident in her body. (sighs) Kanye, Kanye, Kanye. This is what Vogue said in her defense. And I'm going to read it because people had criticized Vogue for the lengthy amount of time that they took to actually defend her. They got called out by several people before they issued this statement. They said, quote, Vogue stands with Gabriella Karifa Johnson, our global fashion editor. I think I said she was an editor at large. She's a global fashion editor at large and longtime contributor. She was personally targeted and bullied. It is unacceptable. Vogue went on to talk about there was a private meeting with Kanye and she spoke her truth in a way that she felt best and on her terms. From what I'm reading here, Gabriella didn't go into the details of her conversation with Kanye. I think Kanye said everything was worked out. She did not say the same. Page six quotes him as saying they actually got along. It's notable that Gabriella did not say anything about the meeting. Yeah, he's on one. I also saw some interview he did with Tucker Carlson from Fox News. That Tucker Carlson, him. The bigot, him. Um, Kanye sat down with him and and Tucker was nodding along the whole time. And I was like, you don't have no sort of, I mean, uh, he's having a mental illness crisis, I believe. But I'm like, at the point where someone who is a known bigot is agreeing with your take on, on how you portray black people, that doesn't strike you as like, hey, maybe my stance is incorrect here. If I was ever talking about feminism and somebody like, I don't know, Kevin Samuels, I mean, he's gone to see maybe the king, maybe not. But, you know, if I had said something about dating relationships and Kevin Samuels was like, yeah, 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 that's dead on. I would have to sit back and like reevaluate my stance and be like, is this the case of like a broken clock being right twice a day? Or am I like, you know, missing something here? Have I taken the wrong approach to this? Like if Tyreek Nasheed was like, yeah, D, yeah, I fully agree. I'd be like, nah, I'm, I mean, I might need to rethink. I might need to rethink my stance. I'm at least like go sit down and, you know, run my ideas by some like minded people and be like, hey, am I looking at this the right way? Like, am I am I missing something here? Can you can you fill in the blank for me? Because, yeah, Kanye, just <sighs> that interview was bizarre. I didn't see the whole thing. I just saw clips of it. I don't have the best Wi-Fi where I am. Fat shamed Lizzo. He talked about Kim being 40 years old and showing her ass. You you met her 
as someone who showed her ass, literally. And then you married her and you thought, what? Like it was a religious conversion? Like it was it was a lobotomy? It was, it was Paul Saul on the road to Damascus? Like she didn't have a conversion. It was, it's literally a marriage ceremony. I know people say you change when you become a mother, but like, again, you don't get a lobotomy. Like you are who you are. You just have like another person literally kind of like attached to your body for a few years. I just, I'm, I'm trying to make shit make sense that this is never going to make sense because the person saying it is not in a, a clear state of mind. The people who, who watch that interview and are just like, yo, Kanye is out here telling the truth. Like he's telling the real shit that how it needs to be said. Like he's spreading this message to the world. And those people, y'all ain't got an excuse. Him, mental health crisis. Niggas who agree with him, just stupid. <sighs> Speaking of stupid, we need to talk about Herschel Walker. The last time we talked about Herschel Walker, it was a discovery. I believe it was by the Daily Beast. They said Herschel Walker is hiding a child. Turned out it was two kids, wasn't it? Let me also say this. Herschel Walker is running for Senate, black former football player, on a Republican ticket in the state of Georgia. He is running against an incumbent senator, Reverend Raphael Warnock, who is currently the head pastor at Martin Luther King Jr. and Sr., I believe, their former church in Atlanta. He's currently the head pastor at Ebenezer Baptist Church. For the love of me, I don't understand how a Christian pastor who's currently serving in Congress, who is literally in the pulpit at Martin Luther King Jr.'s former church, I don't understand how this man is neck and neck in this Senate race with a fucking buffoon like Herschel Walker. These these allegedly evangelical Republican Christians are backing buffoon ass Herschel Walker as opposed to the actual black minister. Senator Reverend Warnock is time tested, proven and committed as a man of God. How? How is how is this a close race? How has Herschel Walker survived this long? Two episodes ago of Ratchet and Respectable, we interviewed my friend about her book, Emotional Justice, Esther Armand. And we talked about the benefits that come to black people who uphold white supremacy. They're not doing it just to do it. They're centering whiteness. They're upholding white supremacy because they get some shit out of it. If you didn't listen to that episode, it's called Emotional Justice. Please go listen to it because it ties in directly to what Kanye's doing, even in the throes of his mental illness, and to what Herschel Walker is doing. Herschel Walker not only was hiding children. Herschel Walker, the Daily Beast, ran a story I swear Herschel Walker must have done something to the Daily Beast. The same shit that, that Wendy Williams must have done. Was it the, the Daily Mail? The Daily Mail followed Wendy Williams' ex-husband for a year. And they were the ones that broke the story about her husband cheating on her. And, and living in a house the same size as, as the marital home. Up the street with a new chick. And they were, they were driving around and, and matching luxury sports cars. And his name was on the mailbox. 
They followed that man around for a whole year. It was like, look at them going to the gym on Saturday morning. Look at them getting in the cars that Wendy pays for in the house that Wendy's money pays for. And he's got a secret baby on the way. Whatever Wendy Williams did to the Daily Mail, Herschel Walker must have done to the Daily Beast because they be on that man's ass. They ran a story earlier this week. It said Herschel Walker is hiding an abortion. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Whatever do you mean? I know for sure that this man who is so opposed to abortion under any circumstances, he was like, yeah, if it's incest, if it's rape, if it's a minor, if, if, if the mother's life is in danger, I don't believe in abortion in any, any way, any fact, anyhow. Babies' lives matter. Pro-life 100%. Fuck them women and them kids. With them babies, we protect them babies. Let me find that quote. This is how the Daily Beast began their story. The first paragraph, Herschel Walker, the football legend now running for Senate in Georgia, says he wants to completely ban abortion, likening it to murder and claiming there should be no exception for rape, incest or the life of the mother. But it's the Daily Beast. They said the Republican candidate has supported at least one exception for himself. A woman who asked not to be identified out of privacy concerns told the Daily Beast that after she and Walker conceived a child in 2009, they were dating. She says Walker urged her to get an abortion. The woman said she had the procedure and, and, and that Walker reimbursed her for it. The Daily Beast said, we can't just run that. What facts do you have to support these allegations? We are a news publication. We need proof. The woman said, okay. She provided a $575 receipt from the abortion clinic. She provided a get well card from Walker and a bank deposit receipt that included an image of a signed $700 personal check from Herschel Walker. The Daily Beast said, how do we know? How do we know that this is really Herschel Walker? She said, look at the signature. Don't go on eBay and look at something that Herschel Walker has signed. Ex-football player. He autographs things. Go look at the signature on things he's autographed. And also look at this card that he sent me, this get well card. After I got the abortion, he sent me a get well card. He signed the card. It's the same signature. The Daily Beast said, that's a lot. We need one more piece to corroborate. What else you got? She said, look, come talk to my friend. She's a close friend. She knew about what happened at the time. She's the one who took care of me as I was recovering from the procedure. Oh, the woman said Walker, who was not married at the time. He said he wanted her to terminate the pregnancy because it was, quote, not the right time for him to have a child. What he didn't mention at the time was that he'd had an out-of-wedlock child with another woman earlier that same year. Herschel Walker, like Nick Cannon, he don't believe in condoms. He does believe in abortion, though. The Daily Beast, they asked the woman, they said, well, you know, these things happen. They said, did he ever express regret? She said, no, no, that never happened. They said, ma'am, this is from 2009. It's, It's all these years later. It's 13 years later. Why are you coming out with this information now? She said, because I just can't with the hypocrisy. I can't. He's running around telling people that he's pro-life. Fuck them mothers. 
She said enough is enough. She had to tell the truth. Now the Daily Beast, they reached out to Herschel Walker's people. They said, now Herschel, what, what is this? What, what's going on? He denies everything. His press aide, a lawyer for Herschel Walker said, this is a false story. The Daily Beast said, we have all these receipts. They said, you're only doing this to target black conservatives. Herschel Walker released a statement. He said, this is a flat out lie. He said, I deny this in, in the, the, the harshest possible terms. He said, this is defamatory. He said, I will sue the Daily Beast. I will file in the morning. Now, the now Daily Beast ran this story on October 3rd. To my knowledge, today is October 7th. Now, I, I did search to see if Herschel Walker had tried to sue the Daily Beast for defamation. I couldn't find any record of it. Oh, the drama. The drama doesn't stop there. Herschel Walker has a son. I don't really know if his elevator goes to the whole top floor. His son has said some wild shit on Twitter. I believe the son is gay, but he's very like anti, like, you know, pride parades, gay pride, like any of that. He's a character. He also is, is sick of his daddy. Very sick. <laughs> After this story came out, he lashed out on Twitter. I'm still reading this on the Daily Beast. I just switched stories. So it goes directly to the story about Herschel Walker's son. If you want to look this up, it's called Herschel Walker's son lashes out at him after abortion revelation. Because I heard about the son lashing out before I heard about what he actually lashed out about. His name is Christian. Christian Walker. Christian tweeted, every family member of Herschel Walker asked him not to run for office because we all knew some of his past. Every single one. He decided to give us the middle finger and air out all his dirty laundry in public while simultaneously lying about it. I'm done. But he wasn't. He said, quote, I know my mom and I would really appreciate if my father, Herschel Walker, stopped lying and making a mockery of us. You're not a, quote, family man when you left us to bang a bunch of women threatened to kill us and had us move over six times in six months running from your violence. If you're not familiar with what he's speaking about, Herschel Walker's, I believe it was his ex-wife, she said Herschel Walker put a gun to her head at one point. Like she had some very like vivid allegations of domestic violence against him. I believe there was a restraining order at one point. Christian still wasn't done. Christian said, I'm done. Christian's wasn't done. Christian continued. He said, quote, I don't care about someone who has a bad past and takes accountability, but how dare you lie and act as though you're some moral Christian upright man. You've lived a life of destroying other people's lives. How dare you? Christian still wasn't done. He said, you have four kids that we know of. I'm going to repeat that. You have four kids that we know of. And you weren't in the house raising one of them. You were out cheating and lying. If you loved your kids, you'd be raising them instead of running for a Senate race to boost your ego. Oh, dear. You would think, you would think that the Daily Beast running a story about a staunchly pro-life Republican candidate paid for an abortion and is denying it. Like, so he's lying on top of that. Like, literally, there is a receipt from the abortion clinic. There, there's enough. He did this shit. You would think, you would think, maybe, that Republicans would be like, yo, this man is a hypocrite. 
Like he's saying he's pro-life, but clearly he's pro-choice because he had his girlfriend have an abortion. What the fuck? You would think they would be outraged by this. If not by that, if not by that, the hiding of a child, your, your own son, your biological son getting on open Twitter and talking about domestic violence, abuse, being an absentee dad, a shit father. You're the, you're the party of family value, so you say. And now you have someone who is showing in his actions that he has no values. And, and the candidate that you've been supporting is come out that he doesn't believe in any of the shit that he says. Like he says one thing, he does another. The man is a hypocrite. You think Republicans have distanced themselves from him? No. In fact, they've doubled down in support. They made it clear on some Jennifer Holiday. I am telling you, I ain't going nowhere. They are all in for this man who can barely form two sentences, who says he's pro-life but pays for abortions, whose son gets on social media and was like, yeah, he's a stalker, domestic violence, all that shit that y'all heard about, the worst of it, it's all true. Really? Really? I read this story earlier about, about the Republican support, how it's become stronger for Herschel Walker in, in the wake of these latest allegations. This is, what is the NRC? National Republican, National Republican Senatorial Committee. I'm reading this on thehill.com. This guy, Chris Hartline, he's the spokesman for them. He says, Democrats are losing in Georgia and are on the verge of losing the majority in the Senate. So they and their media allies are doing what they always do. Attack Republicans with innuendo and lies. Innuendo and lies. Is it lies when there's receipts? Is it innuendo when the shit actually happened? The Republican stance on this is like, you know what? Yes, there are receipts. Yes, his own son is calling his ass out. We don't care. Yeah, yeah, we saw the receipts. Yeah, we saw his son said that shit. It didn't happen. It's, it's like, what's that girl? Kelly, the one who liked the Crypt Keeper. She was like, alternative facts. These are, there are facts and there are alternative facts. No, no. He paid for a fucking abortion. His son said he ain't shit. Really? The man's own son won't support him, but you will. Here's the truth about Herschel Walker. And it's, it's, it's not even just me saying it. Like, literally, there's a story on CNN about this shit, too. Republicans need Herschel Walker to win in order to have the majority in the Senate. That's all it boils down to. That's the only reason Herschel Walker has made it this far. There's a quote that I'm looking for. And I can't find it. It was a conservative talk show host. She was talking about Herschel Walker. She said something about he could abort bald eagles and she would still vote for him because the, because the Republicans need the Senate. You understand how crazy this is? That this is actually a quote. And of all the things that I sit around and read all day, a, a quote about abort bald eagles stands out in my head. That's ridiculous. The Republicans will do anything and include elect an idiot. I want to also say this. Herschel Walker is a complete fucking hypocrite, right? He won't be the first or the last. The hypocrisy, it's annoying. Everyone's a hypocrite to some degree, self-included. The hypocrisy, I could actually kind of live with. The man's an idiot. The man's a fucking idiot. America, I'm worried. This election coming up in November, I mean, we got this October surprise that no one seems to care about. Like the, the Republicans are just denying that, that the whole thing exists. They're just like, oh, they're just attacking us. Like this, this didn't happen. It happened. Um, y'all are really going to try to elect this idiot into the Senate. Yeah, that's what y'all going to do. 
put an idiot in, in the Senate just to control it. America, don't let me down. Even if I was home, I couldn't vote in the Georgia election. My current residency was Maryland. Even if I was home, there's nothing I could do. Georgia, I'm not even speaking to American. Georgia, Georgia, y'all pulled this out before. Y'all got Senator Warnock in the Senate. Y'all can do this again. The power of Stacey Abrams and others, because she does not work alone. The power of Stacey Abrams is with you. It is in you. You can do this. If you live in Georgia, do not fuck around and not vote. Specifically for Senator Warnock. You cannot vote for Herschel Walker, and you also cannot afford to sit this one out. It's not just the state of Georgia that depends on you. It's the whole fucking country. Georgia, we need you. Don't let us down. Us, all of us. Georgians, Americans, at home and abroad. Don't fuck this up, Georgia. All right. That's the podcast for this week. I know it's late. I'm traveling. Y'all know how this goes. I always get it in. Sometimes the audio is off. I do my best. I told y'all last episode, there was a strict weight limit on this tiny ass plane that flew me over to Principe. There were only 18 people on the whole plane. It was a smooth ride. It was a steady ride. But, and I say this with no joking matter. I'm dead serious. After Aaliyah, I don't play with weight limits on these tiny ass planes. They told me I couldn't bring more than what, 15 kilograms? It's like 30 pounds. That's 30 pounds for my carry-on and my book bag. They weighed both. I couldn't bring my recording equipment. It's an extra four pounds. It wouldn't have made it. I'm traveling with the carry-on, which I never do because of this little-ass plane. Work with me on the sound for the next couple days. I'll be back to my microphone. I don't think for Tuesday's episode, but definitely for Friday. So that's that. Have an excellent weekend. I'm going to edit this and get a margarita. I don't think that's everything. There's something else that I'm missing that's crazy as fuck that I'm totally forgetting. All them rap girls arguing, Cardi, JT, Nikki, I don't care. I'll never discuss that shit. There's something else that's standing out, though, that I'm overlooking. Whatever it is, I'll get to it on my... So I, I know you've got a lot going on. But remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening, because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better, because it can bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7. So I, I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better because it can bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7. So I, I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better because it can bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7.